Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Kiara and Gabby. Welcome, welcome to another episode. We are here with a very special guest, Sarah Sumik of Healthy Skin Glows. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello, beautiful ladies. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. We're excited to chat about skincare. Honestly, I don't know why I never really got too much into skincare growing up, but I, I mean, like, I guess I kind of did, but I, I've never really had like a full skincare routine. I know that sounds like kind of crazy, but I'm really excited to learn from you today and like bust all the myths and all the misconceptions. There's so much out there, especially for those who are really struggling with like you know, they, they have issues, they have acne, they have dermatitis, they have all of those things. So um, since this is our first time really connecting with you, I'd love for you to share just a little bit about like, yeah, you. Oh, thank you. Um, I just want to comment on how like you not being so interested in skincare. <laughs> so oftentimes this is actually for people who maybe never had like major skin issues right. and it actually played in your favor to not experiment with skincare so much because you did not ruin your skin barrier at any point. It's a big advantage for you there. But me, just like many others, started struggling, you know, with my skin around the time of like the first period, you know, like 14 years old. And then it kind of like starts to creep in a little bit, you know, more and more acne. And then you start to intervene more and more with more aggressive skincare. And then it kind of culminates, right? You go to one dermatologist, want to run antibiotics, run, you know, whatever else, pres prescription, creams, medications, and never really having any kind of long-term lasting, you know, results with any of it. And in the process, with all of these things that you're applying to your skin and doing more and more and more, you end up really inflaming the skin barrier, which, you know, I already mentioned in turn, but basically means the uppermost layer of the skin, which we may think about as like layers and stacks of dead skin cells, but it's really just much more than that. It's a very, very protective, important structure of the skin. And there may be dead skin cells, but they're still very highly functional. There's a lot of enzymatic action, you know, activity in there. There's a lot of processes that are ongoing, chemical processes that keep the skin healthy, useful, clear, glowing, all these things without you basically lifting a finger. So we all know those people, you know, who never really used any skincare, like never even owned a skincare product is amazing, right? Their pores aren't getting clogged. They're just, you know, don't have 10 step skincare routine and their skin is great. You know, oftentimes much better than yours who are like, you know, doing this 10 step on skincare routine. So this is pretty much me for, for a long time. And in the end, after again, failed attempts of getting help from dermatologists and all that to heal my acne. My skin actually came to a point where it was so inflamed and so sensitive, I could not tolerate any product, like literally nothing on my skin, like everything would, you know, irritate it further. Like it was just painful to sleep. Like sometimes I hear from my clients, like it's painful to sleep. I'm like, I actually remember it's actually painful to sleep. So in the end, I just threw myself while I was, um, so I was a student of molecular biology and I just threw myself a lot of research and you know, kind of like dermatology articles and all that, just kind of like going over the basics. And what I learned during that period is just how much I was actually damaging my skin and how much I was just setting myself back. So there are these principles, like we mentioned, like the skin barrier, which are well-known, well-established, yet not really put into practice once, once you really go to get help, because a lot of the times the solutions are very, very hard, very, very aggressive. This is something that it is going to ruin the skin barrier for a lot of people, just really making things more difficult for them to, to basically, you know, heal their skin. 
So in the end, I did heal my own skin. I mean, it was a bit complex process because I was also at the time on hormonal birth control and all that, which is something you're you know, more familiar with, with the internal healing. So kind of pieces fell into and, you know, I find a clear skin. It was like, it's never perfect, you know, like now, you know, 10, 10 years later, it's, you know, quite stable and everything, but I'm always something who's like acne prone. And so skin likes it to, you know, keep very simple. I did heal my skin with like a superbly simple skincare routine, which is something that I think unique in, like I see many of my clients just um, after I simplify the, you know, the, the routine after they just kind of like remove all the sources of irritation, they heal. So yeah, I think my journey is like very reminiscent of other people just kind of like trying aimlessly to find something that works and never really finding it unless you kind of like, okay, step back and let me take a look at a full picture. Let me take, you know, a look at it impacting my skin and just putting people. Oh, thank you for sharing all of that. I, I feel like that I didn't experiment a lot of skincare either, but when you talk about really simplifying to make it better. What I do remember using and feeling like this is what I should do is basically anything that burned. Like the the more it burned, the better. And just like scrubbing, 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 like St. Ives. I just can't even imagine using it now. And yeah. so when you talk about acne and simplifying, what really does acne come back down to? Like what what is acne? <laughs> An inflammatory skin. Several kind of pathways in which kind of like the acne can actually occur. But ultimately, what it boils down is that something disrupts this kind of like final maturation stages of the skin cells. So either it be through, let's say, over accumulating protein called keratin and kind of like making them very sticky, gluey together so they don't shed off your skin when they're supposed to. And instead, they clog pores. Or um, there are these tiny structures that connect the dead skin cells called desmosomes, which need to be broken down by certain enzymes in the skin, which again, can be impacted by a lot of internal, again, hormonal influences. It just not do their job when they're supposed to. And again, you end up with clogged pores and clogged pores are the first stage of any acne type. Whether it be cystic, blackhead, whitehead, whatever it is, it all starts with a tiny clogged pore that is invisible to the eye. As that pore is clogged, the sebum that flows from inside of the pore to the surface cannot really exit anymore. And like any other kind of dead skin cells don't really exit anymore. So just kind of keep accumulating inside that pore and start creating a visible kind of like bump called microcomedo. And this is really the stage at which the acne basically becomes this like more, you know, red inflamed true acne spot. This process of kind of like causing clogged pores there are a lot of internal, you know, triggers, I call them internal, basically hormone influences that can, again, disrupt this process of cell maturation. Sometimes it's actually also over proliferation of skin cells. Basically, you just make too many and they cannot really all exit that, you know, pore in a timely manner with those two. And again, end up clogging the pores. Also, pore clogging can be caused by something topical. And that is frequently what we refer to as kind of like comedogenic or pore clogging ingredients. And again, this is not very, so very common. Usually the acne starts internally and then we start to make it worse by also externally irritating the skin. This is a very, very common scenario. So, but externally, we can combine these pore clogging ingredients, but more, more frequently, actually, it's about irritating the skin barrier and inflaming it. So Irritation basically leads to inflammation. So you stimulate kind of the immune system and it becomes just, you know, more reactive, starts to produce more and more of so-called cytokines, so pro-inflammatory molecules, 
which have been shown to be involved in the pathogenesis of acne. So it's these inflammatory molecules that also are going to cause clogged pores in the end, right? So it's kind of like a, almost like a vicious cycle. Like the more inflammation you have from acne, that same inflammation will kind of like go back to the start and cause new clogged pores. And, and so it goes, right? So inflammation, the skin barrier is a big piece here that I don't think many people realize it is a piece. So we have to be very careful and kind of like not irritating the skin any more than necessary is something that I actually call unnecessary irritation because, you know, to basically use some of these anti-acne ingredients that can be helpful, like they all come with certain dose of irritation to the skin, but like for that irritation, they have to give you a lot of benefits in return, right? They have to be kind of helpful for acne. So basically acne at its core, I think it's just kind of useful to remember that it's inflammatory skin condition, which it is, right? And then inflammation is oftentimes this first acne trigger. Usually comes, you know, starts internally, hormonal imbalances, blood sugar imbalances. Again, guys, you know more, much more about this. So this is how it starts for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's going to be a combination of things. This is also what I frequently see. Like there are going to be, you know, some kind of internal triggers coupled with a very inflamed skin barrier. And this creates the perfect storm for to develop. So we have to kind of ideally target both of these, right? And internally to, to really see good progress. So I hope that's the question. It does. It does, definitely. And I love how you said it. it mostly starts from within. That's something that I did experience when I started to notice that my gut was really struggling in college. There was one spot on my face. I get one acne pimple right here. And it was so hard and it was so painful. And when I stopped, for me, this is not like statement, but for me, when I, with my digestive issues, removing gluten was the biggest thing that I could have done. I stopped eating gluten. That went away. It was so interesting. I was like, oh, like the connection there. That's crazy. And what I would also do, and I'm sure this is something that you strongly advise against, I would squeeze it and I would pick at it because I was like so frustrated by it. And it was so painful just sitting there on my skin. And it was just like, obviously, like the only thing I noticed, of course, I also like just created more like inflammation on the skin is what you're saying. Right? Yes, it, it definitely can. So like if you just have one spot and you squeeze it, like it's not that bad. But what really is like the worst situation is when you have kind of like a clump you know, like many one, yeah. you know, many, many acne spots just kind of like clump together. And between them are also many clogged pores that haven't yet been inflamed. And so by just kind of like pushing and pressing, you are also in the process of inflaming those clogged pores and basically creating new acne. So, you know, in situations where just kind of like you do have good skin, you're not very acne prone and you do have, let's say, an occasional acne pop up and you squeeze it like it's not great. It might, you know, leave a scar, but it's not going to cause like an eruption of like funny spots the next day as it can for somebody who does have a lot of what I call congestion, like a lot of this clogged pores just kind of like waiting <laughs> to be inflamed basically. So this is exactly. what I think really makes it very bad when you pick, especially if you kind of like, you know, it's like a picking, you know, episode with just like 10 spots at once. And it's just really, yeah, it gets really bad. But I, I've been there myself, so I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. I'm curious, Sarah, how do you feel about like extractions done properly? Oh, that is a very good question. And actually one of my most controversial posts on Instagram, I think, where a lot of estheticians came after me because I said like, 
oh, I just don't like extractions. I've seen so many like negative, you know, experiences with my clients. And I do think there is a time and place, but for a lot of people, it's just going to cause more issues. And yes, even if it's professionally done, because you cannot squeeze without pressing on the skin, like it's just not possible. So for people who, again, have a lot of congestion, have pretty damaged skin barrier, there's a lot of inflammation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause more inflammation. Like you are going to get more acne in the following two weeks is my experience. When it does make sense to get, let's say, you know, let's say professional extraction is when the skin is basically pretty calm, you know, it's feeling pretty moisturized, the skin barrier is healthy, but you do have some like very stubborn congestion like hard bumps, you know, kind of like these blackheads that you just don't go away, like aren't going away anytime soon. And just like, okay, I just want somebody to extract this for me. They've been there for months on end. They're not inflaming. They're just not going away. And in that case, honestly, like it's fine. But that's like not the majority for people who actually go to get extractions. And again, I also, you know, did all these things myself. So I speak from my experience, but like mostly I try to put aside my own experience and just use the experiences of like hundreds of my clients instead to kind of like find there. So, so yeah, just, I don't have a very good experience in most cases where people go to get extractions and they have lots of active. Yeah. I went to an esthetician before that was probably my most successful facial where she didn't do any extractions right, right. and then my skin was so glowy the next day and she just supported the barrier I, I'm assuming that now that I have language for it how do you feel about the the little stickers I I'm curious like would that cut off oxygen dysregulated blood sugars sleep disruptions a poor response to stress headaches and gut issues can all indicate that you have a magnesium deficiency Magnesium is such an important mineral, which is why you'll hear us expand on it in our course, Body Basics, but also so many of our earlier episodes. One of our favorite ways to ensure we're getting adequate levels of magnesium is Jigsaw's MagSooth. I've been using MagSooth for years, and recently I've been adding it to my Sleepy Time Mocktail. If you guys have been hip with the trends on social media, you've probably heard about the Sleepy Time Mocktail. It's a blend of tart cherry juice apple cider vinegar, lime juice, and then your favorite lemon lime soda. I've been loving Culture Pop. And I put my uh, MagSooth in there and it's so delicious. It makes for the perfect way to end my day. And there are so many magnesium brands out there, but MagSooth is carefully curated with a chelate version of magnesium glycinate with bicarbonate to enhance absorption and effectiveness. Jigsaw has given us a discount for you, so you can enter the code BODYWISDOM at checkout for $10 off your purchase. That's BODYWISDOM, B-O-D-Y-W-I-S-D-O-M, for $10 off your purchase. That is a question. So those are acne patches. So I, I think they're referred as to as acne patches if they also contain some active ingredients, for example, salicylic acid, or simply hydrocolloid patches if they're just kind of like pulling the past to the service a little bit. And honestly, they can be pretty good. I do like them for clients who are still tempted to pick because this just kind of like <laughs> doesn't allow them to pick their skin as much. Sometimes it can be a bit too sticky, maybe depending on the, you know, the actual acne patch that you're using. Honestly, I think they're quite helpful. Kind of like 
as you said, like just blocking that oxygen, blocking the contact with air can actually sometimes use the amount of like hyperpigmentation, those acne marks that remain because they're not as exposed to oxidative damage just by being exposed to air, right? It can actually accelerate healing of any kind of acne marks left after the acne spots. So worst case scenario in my experience is they don't do much, but they can be quite helpful at least to prevent picking because again, you it does also pull some of the pus to the surface without you having to squeeze that white head or that pimple. So in those cases, it can actually be quite nice that you kind of like get rid of that pimple. When I went to get a few months ago, thing that I was heading about, because this is something that this normally do with her clients, and that was dermaplaning. And I did my research and I was like, I don't think I was talking to Gabby about this. I was like, I don't think this is like a good idea for my skin barrier. I think it could actually like working against me. So it right that less is more or does it depend as a, as it pertains to like skincare routines? Yes. So less is oftentimes more. So there's sometimes, you know, a fine line where I say, okay, we actually do need like a product or two extra to actually accomplish what you want to accomplish. But when it comes to dermaplaning specifically, this is essentially like a mechanical form of exfoliation, basically. So you are removing that peach fuzz, but mm -hmm. you're also kind of exfoliating the skin in a physical manner. To as opposed to chemical exfoliants, you know, exfoliating acids, which kind of just dissolve these dead skin cells and so, and so you can kind of slough them off. So with dermaplaning, what I have seen issues again is where people do it over active acne or if they have a lot of congestion and their skin barrier is like a bit unhappy. So there's a lot of inflammation. There's a lot of these inflammatory molecules that I was mentioning that are just kind of like circulating around. And so what you're doing, you're basically dragging them all over your face and you're spreading that inflammation. And we can do that also in other ways, not just by picking the skin. You also do it with these exfoliating pads. You remember like Stridex pads, things like that. Products with micellar water when you apply it on like cotton browns and you're just kind of like going rubbing. So you are spreading around that inflammation. And dermaplaning is basically like one similar way of doing just that. And it does see a problem. So like I've also seen actually some, some people that I've seen who contact me about this, they actually even use like the like razors, you know, on their face. So like, it's like literally shaving their face oh and the effect God. is the same, right? So you're just kind of spreading that inflammation. You're causing yourself more acne. And then that peach fuzz that grows back. And I know this is like a big thing. Like it's a myth that it grows back stronger, but you have to think about it. Like the peach fuzz that was there before you shaved it off was maybe like 20 years old or like 30 years old, you know? And so there's a lot of wear and tear on those tiny hairs. They're going to be very thin and kind of like papery, whereas new hairs are going to be much more robust. So it's not that the root is affected anyway. It's just that there's no that wear and tear on the new hairs that come up. And so a lot of people who do it just once, they're like, oh my God, now I have to do it all the time because these hairs are just so visible, right? And this becomes a problem because like, oh, like what's the best way to then remove this peach fuzz? I'm like, there isn't. <laughs> like, there's, sometimes there is no good alternative that is not also going to cause you more acne. But with all that said, I think it's absolutely fine for people who like want smoother skin, who are ready to kind of like continue doing it and who don't have acne. You know, so that's you, Kiara. Like, I think for you, it, it was probably absolutely fine, you know, to do it. You didn't, you know, face didn't erupt in acne after that treatment. But like, you know, for people who are acne prone, who I work with, like this can be a major problem, basically. 
Mm. <laughs> a lot of yeah. I'm always the bearer of bad news. Like my clients are like, oh my goodness. For me, I mean, it can be totally like maybe is alarming to someone that has done it. But for me, I'm like, okay, cool. I can check that off that I don't have to do. <laughs> don't have to shave my face. Awesome. <laughs> I don't have time for that anyway. <laughs> so. Oh, man. I'm curious, Sarah, how, what are some things that you look for when you're assessing someone's skin to establish like their health, healthy skincare you look for? Right, right. So when it comes to skincare routine specifically, I would ideally know, and I always ask this, the full skin history, you know, when your acne started and that you've tried so far what you responded well to, but maybe didn't last, what you responded very poorly to. Because people differ, differ a lot in which kind of skincare products and ingredients they their skin tolerates. So some people will do, for example, really well with natural skincare, whereas for others, their skin freaks out like to, with any natural skincare. They just are sensitive to that. Again, there are definitely items that all camps, you know, can use, but people differ a lot in which product their skin likes. And so I can oftentimes deduce a lot from just kind of going over the skin history of somebody. But I also, in that process, kind of explain them, okay, this worked because such and such, and this didn't because such and such. And then the person's like, okay, that makes sense. And then in doing so, in this kind of back and forth, we actually arrive at a lot of more insight about the person's skin. And the, you know, my client then kind of like <laughs> in real time starts to understand, okay, my skin actually was behaving like this because of such and such. And so we end up at a plan that kind of consolidates what their skin is most likely to respond well to. There are always some unknowns and, you know, people who will kind of like give you, okay, just follow this routine to the, to the letter and you're going to be great. Like, I don't, I don't see how that's possible really. Like, <laughs> so I always kind of like, okay, I'm going to give you the framework. You know, I'm going to explain to you the signs that something is working versus when it isn't working. We narrow down. The products, of course, you know, because I mean, skincare market is enormous and people feel very lost oftentimes. So basically what I do, I just really narrow it down and explain exactly the why behind each step that we do in the new skincare routine. And people, this is really the best way because people really develop this intuition and like follow what their skin likes the best. And again, oftentimes this will lead to just kind of like simplifying, simplifying, simplifying. And in the end, we arrive, we are this teamwork. Eh, the best skincare routine for that particular person. So there's no like one thing that works for absolutely everybody. Like there's no single product that's going to work, work for, for absolutely everybody. So I just try to do, you know, the best I can, like the best educated guess. And, it, you know, most of the time it's absolutely correct. But I think that it's important that the person also, the client develops this intuition and can recognize the signs that something is working versus something. That so... When you say that sometimes a product works at first, this, ha this happened to my friend recently. She was using a product for years and it worked so well. And then all of a sudden she started breaking out with it. What do you think changes there? This is something that is actually very, very common. And not everybody actually is able to connect the problem to that skincare product. Because again, it has been working for years. It must not be that. It must be something I was eating. It must be like whatever, something else. And people really get locked into this kind of like endless cycle of like tweaking their diet, tweaking their supplements, while all the while their skincare is basically just <laughs> ruining their skin. So what happens is that, and this analogy in Skin Barrier Fix ebook, which might be helpful, 
I say basically using skincare is like conducting a transaction. You, you know, pay something, there's some kind of cost to the value that you're getting, right? It's never free. So if you're using, and this is like for most skincare, using most skincare will come at a certain cost. And that cost is a little bit irritation to the skin barrier. Now, some skincare products carry very minimal cost, very minimal irritation to the skin barrier. The skin is very quickly able to repair itself. I mean, your skin would like prefer for you, for you to not even touch it. Like honestly, like the skin's dream, right? So it might not look the best, but you know, there's skin for that. So when you choose product, that start to damage the skin barrier more so than your skin is able to repair itself in between, let's say, your morning and evening skincare routine, like in between treatments, quote unquote, the more inflammation accumulates in the skin barrier. And with that inflammation, you start to develop more congestion, more acne, sometimes periodontitis, sometimes rosacea, depending what you're prone to. So essentially, I say always like, Skin irritation is not an overnight reaction. It accumulates very, very slowly over the course of months or years. And then suddenly you find yourself in the situation that you just described. Your skin is like, why am I breaking out all of a sudden? Like, what has just happened? It's not from yesterday. It's this accumulated irritation to the skin barrier, which has caused finally enough inflammation to, for you to see, you know, the damage, basically. You mentioned... This is something that a lot of my clients face. And aside from working with things internally, what are some things that are really important to note with rosacea, especially as a skincare routine? Very good question. Rosacea is another inflammatory skin condition. So healing the skin barrier and reducing inflammation in the skin barrier is really the most important first step. And usually what I do with like great majority of my clients here is to, again, remove irritation, unnecessary irritation. So those would be the products that they use because they thought they are supposed to be beneficial. Maybe they've seen some initial results, but over time they have actually inflamed the skin barrier. So they are really just not giving you anything in return anymore. They're just irritating. And so just by removing that irritation, the skin is finally allowed some space and, you know, opportunity to, to basically start itself. So the, the rosacea has some, some kind of like several degrees or types. So people can just have, let's say, flushing rosacea, which is something that they might carry from, you know, like childhood even, the, who have very sensitive skin. But oftentimes when rosacea is kind of like full-blown rosacea, this is papular postular rosacea that kind of looks like acne sometimes, obviously both than acne. And in that case, sometimes you do need a medication and there are several that we can use here, but like depending on the severity, it can be very, very difficult to revert back to not having rosacea without like a stronger intervention. But then what is important is that you also at the same time really take care of the skin barrier and to maintain that clear skin after you've been on, on you know, something that is like specific for us, you do maintain clear skin with skin barrier carrying skincare and skincare. So this is very important. One of those, let's say, popular treatments would be aldolic acid and prescription ones would be like 15% or more. So, for example, people can who don't have like a very you know severe rosacea could even go and buy 10% azolic and maybe have some results with that. But again, it really does depend on the severity of rosacea in my experience. If it's very, you know, far gone, it can be very difficult by just kind of like, let's say, cleansing and moisturizing with something that is soothing 
it can be very to achieve or like to heal rosacea with just that. And obviously it's very important, as you say, to also work on the internal triggers because it, again, this is also something that can really increase inflammation in the skin as well. So this is basically my experience with rosacea. For a lot of people with acne, just removing irritation, just healing their skin barrier can significantly also improve acne as well. Oftentimes not fully, like we still do need to intervene a little bit, but with rosacea, it's, it's very stubborn in this regard in my experience. So it's absolutely fine for those, you know, listening to get some help if it's like very bothersome, it's very visible, but then have a plan as to how you're going to maintain the situation when you're done with you. I've heard so much about the inner ecosystem too being so important for rosacea. And so I know that you work with all of your clients on that too, which is so helpful because I think a lot of estheticians talk about or just people that talk about skin, they talk about having a healthy quote unquote diet, but that's so subjective depending on the person. Like what does healthy mean? So I'm curious, what does a healthy diet mean to you? Very broad and complex. But that is a very that is a very good question. And it's very, as you say, so I'm an evolutionary biologist or molecular biologist, so I'm always coming from the standpoint of evolution. And I think a lot of people can really maybe connect to this and just think in terms, okay, what have, it, what have we eaten for a very long time? You know, what have you eaten? Like these are going to be the foods that are healthiest for us. How have we prepared those foods? This is also important. So I think honestly that advice, just eat what your grand-grandmother ate is like better than like 99% of what's out there, honestly. Yeah. Like if food did not exist two, three hundred, five hundred years ago, like it, it's a modern invention that our human bodies don't know what to do with, essentially. So what I tell my clients is not like, you know, cut out dairy, cut out gluten immediately. Although, again, these can have their reasons. Absolutely. But what I tell them, first and foremost, cut out seed oils, cut out emulsifiers, thickeners, all these like modern, quote unquote, food inventions, as I call them. They're just irritating your gut and honestly don't carry any nutrition with them. They're just inflaming you. So for a lot of people, let's say they eat non-dairy alternatives, veg like vegan meats or like whatever these, you know, Franken foods. Like these <laughs> things are absolutely unknown to the human body. What is this even, you know? So, and we come, you know, many of us come from quite different genetic backgrounds, you know, different cultures. And ideally we would kind of just go back to our own heritage and see what literally did your grand-grandmother prepare back back then, right? And like try to do the best you can with foods that are locally available to you. So for example, I'm Croatian and I live in Norway. So I eat a lot more vegetables when I'm in Croatia versus here. So here is going to like a lot of root vegetables, whereas we do really have a lot of vegetables in Croatia. So we do eat also a lot of meat, unlike popular what Mediterranean diet is. So, but I... Basically, my, my advice is like eat foods that you genuinely enjoy, that you, you know, ideally prepare yourself because anything you eat out, is going to be drenched oils, unfortunately, that again, are simple for you to make that are ideally local foods and just, you know, kind of don't worry about the rest. Honestly, this advice works. I'm going to say in like, I mean, I don't know, 80, 90% of cases for my clients you find things, you know doing things sometimes maybe that are easier to digest. So for example, somebody who really has a lot of gut issues, you know, maybe not have grilled stews or soup, like things like that, you know, but like ultimately 
in the end, you are going to eat foods that you generally enjoy and you're going to eat until you're satisfied. Again, this is always what we revert back to. So it's really worth establishing habits that feel sustainable to you. And this is going to look a bit different for everybody. So some of my clients really enjoy a lot of vegetables, some absolutely hate vegetables. I'm like, okay, fine. If we see progress with your skin, uh, you know, and you're feeling good, you're feeling energetic, your metabolism markers are great. Like, don't worry about eating like five different vegetables every day, you know? So these kinds of things. And then on the other hand, you mentioned gluten. I think it was very interesting because we also have to be aware that the way we produce food nowadays, it's also not what it used to. Like, you know, wheat, not the wheat of biblical times. So we have to be aware that there are a lot of, again, herbicide residues, glyphosate residues, which can be very irritating for a lot of people. And so... We do need to pick the best quality that we can. You know, that's just the reality. It's not like, I know some people say like, don't worry, just like get whatever at the grocery store. And I go to grocery store and there's like this paprika that has traveled thousands of miles wrapped in plastic that smells like plastic. I'm just like, how is this healthy for me? Like, it's not, you know, (laughs) I'm just going to buy whatever is actually grown here, you know, like in 10 mile radius and that's it. You know, I'm going to be happy with that. Wow. I love that. Simplifying it in all ways. And yeah, it's true. You have to unfortunately be a little bit more conscious and aware and have some sort of education going into a grocery store these days, unless you're going to like a farmer's market. Even then, sometimes too, I don't know if you guys have noticed that or have visited farmer's markets lately. They're more like outdoor markets. And like you just have to really know your farm if you're going to do that. Any step in that direction is a step. So obviously not trying to aim for perfection when this is like your first entry into the space because it can get very overwhelming very quickly. But I love how you keep mentioning like as it pertains to the skin barrier, like removing irritation, because that's something that Gabby and our clients when it comes to the gut, like really removes irritating foods that are going to really damage the lining that barrier. So like the same thing is how I'm seeing it, like removing just what's aggravating the skin and that creating space for more healing to take place. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So you have to give your body the space and you know, opportunity to basically repair itself. You cannot, your body cannot really do it if it's like constantly bombarded by its progress. Yeah, you have to. Is one of the biggest changes. It was much less about what I need to add in and more like what I got for the time being. Agree with you with the gluten piece, like the quality and the preparation of our foods today is just not what it once was. I did do really well with sourdough for like a year. And what's so, I'm so curious what you think about like stress and how that plays a role in the health of our skin. But for me, the last year was really stressful. And so my body just started to not do so well with sourdough that I was preparing at home. So I like let that go for a little bit. And I'm sure I'll be eventually, but how does stress play a role in the health of our skin? Oh, it plays a huge, huge role, honestly. For a lot of people, their acne will start basically due to some very stressful occurrence in their lives. Whether it be, let's say, going to college, eating a very, you know, foods that is not very nutritious, over-exercising, all these things are very big stressors on the body. Again, it can be also, you know, a family member dying or like going through like a very difficult life situation. I've definitely seen very, very severe acne come out of this. And it has such a big, it plays such a big role. Obviously, you know much more about, you know, the cortisol, the stress response in the body. And this will really disrupt many of the other hormonal systems, which ultimately impact the skin. 
And for a lot of women that I work with, was also me, in my case, this kind of acne will really be very stubborn, like very deep, like oftentimes like on the chin and jawline. And it's just so stubborn. Like when it, it actually, the congestion runs so deep, like when it actually inflames, it creates this like a very cystic, very deep, painful acne. And so it's very much connected to the stress. I mean, like if you think about it, you mentioned this and not be able to maybe tolerate sourdough anymore. Because you know, like if you're in fight or flight all the time, like your digestion is off. You're not digesting your food properly. I mean, if, if you, if you let's say, maybe remember yourself being in some very stressful situation and then you kind of like feel almost sick to your stomach, like there's this connection, right? Between like, you know, just your mind going through something and then digestive distress. And so it's, it's very much connected. But I, what I do say to my clients is that it kind of like all these small stressors, let's say not getting enough sleep, not getting enough nutrients, not getting any like daily movement, not getting sunlight. All these things are stressors. They're kind of like just go into the same stress bucket. And at some point your body just starts to react, right? In some would be acne or something else. And so, yeah, the, the stress overall in all its types plays definitely a huge role in skin health. Yeah. I, and, and that's not to say either that like, oh my gosh, like you can't ever stress because we live stressful lives. But I think it's just information, I think, is the way I it over here said, like, <laughs> but if your bucket is like overflowing with all of those things, like all of those stressors, it's kind of like, OK, where can we make some changes just to kind of like ease that that stress level on our base and really support our body at a deeper level? Because, yeah, I feel like anything that we do or add into our lives or lifestyles, it's not going to be able to reap its benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you said, like just. It, I mean, we all have some kind of stress going on at every point, right? Like it's not possible to avoid all stress. And actually I have clients who are like, I'm stressing because I cannot remove the stress. So like, it's really pointless. <laughs> so like, you know, for, for new moms or you are just finishing up your PhD or your master's degree, like, of course, these are times of stress, but just remember, this is just a phase in your life. It is going to, you know, be over. Then, you know, new stress is going to come, but you have to also build resilience to stress and try to fix things that you actually have control over. So for a lot of people that might be just establishing better sleep hygiene, you know, like things like that, maybe having a bit frequent walks, you know, whenever you can after a meal but yeah controlling things that you can control and just kind of like not trying not to stress about the rest and trying to just kind of like build more resilience toward that stress yeah I noticed that my skin definitely the first time that I was breaking out was when I was in nursing school and then my skin is fairly healthy now but whenever I do break out it's because of a man <laughs> so now I just I just don't allow men in no. my life that stress me out <laughs> oh, that's really literally funny. every time <laughs> i mean there, so. it, it's a big it's a big stress you know like all the, going through all these things and actually for me personally sort of my management like my stress management was actually removing coffee because i was always mm -hmm. in this person that like was very very kind of like high energy like gets victory from even like the small amounts of coffee but like i love the taste you know i was drinking for years but just it was not aligning with my body when I was going through periods of stress. And yeah. it was giving me so much acne. It was like, I fix all these other things and then I start connecting, you know, the dots. So like these were one of those things that I could actually control. It was not easy. But like, you know, yeah. there are ways in which we can kind of reduce the overall stress load. 
or or avoidable. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's it's. <laughs> And really, really tuning into and something we talk to our clients so much about is really becoming attuned to your body. Like when you're feeling that fight or flight, that anxious nature, try to figure out, okay, what what happened before this? What did I consume? Did I get in an argument? Did I come up with a stressful thing at work? And what do we have the power over changing? And that's something that I changed too, is completely removing caffeine. And I don't have, I used to do matcha and I, I, most of the time don't do any matcha either anymore because I noticed just that rush of adrenaline. And I love matcha as a, a change from coffee because it has the L-theanine, so it has that calming agent. But you really have to look at, like we've been talking about, the stress bucket overall. And if there are already other stressors, what's something you can remove, even if it's not fun to remove it? And that might be something like caffeine. So I'm glad you brought that up. No, and one last thing that I would like to add, because in your case now, you followed your body's signal, right? And you removed what you suspected was irritating you. Whereas a lot of people, and again, I was also used to be the same. A lot of people just kind of like trust this XYZ person on internet, you know, giving all the benefits of either coffee or matcha. But like, what does that matter if your body's giving a clear signal that it just doesn't, isn't aligning with this thing? So it's very, very important for people just kind of to start trusting themselves again and their own intuition, listen to their own bodies again, because it is very important. It also is the same for skincare. It is important to be aware of both the positive and negatives of what you're potentially doing. Because again, for somebody, you know, coffee or matcha can work great. And then for other people, it's just not. <laughs> it's just not, right? Yeah. And so you have to be, you know, kind of like in tune with your body enough to recognize that and then to actually be, I'm not going to say brave, but like for lack of better words, because we are getting bombarded with so many different sides to not trust our intuition, to actually trust your intuition, trust yourself enough to actually do what feels right in that time. I cannot tell you, like sometimes my clients would actually break down in tears when I would kind of confirm what they were suspecting for years. Yeah. And they just did not dare act on those, on that intuition until I actually kind of validated that feeling that they had literally like broke down in tears. So it's very, very yeah. important to trust your intuition. I mean, there are no amount of studies that show beneficial effects of matcha that are relevant to you. If you And if you're feeling that, I'm so glad you brought that up because especially with social media and all the blogs, that can be so confusing to be like, wait a minute, this ha says it actually has skin properties in it that are good for you. And how could this even be the problem so you don't even look at those things? But as you're consuming something, see how it makes you feel. Exactly. And that help, getting in touch with your intuition in general is going to help you in your life for so many more things, even beyond skincare. But with that being said, is there a product that you think most people tolerate well that not necessarily a product, but ingredients that you think that most people would benefit from? So tolerate and benefit from are maybe like two two different things. So, <laughs> so since I work a lot with people who do have pretty damaged skin barrier, who, you know, are basically were aware of their skin barrier problem before they even come to me, I'm going to actually share a tip that was actually a tip from a dermatologist from many years ago that I, that I got. That was like the only thing that stuck with me that actually helped me out. And that is literally brewing strong chamomile tea and using that like as a toner. And since then, I mean, it's been years now that I started suggesting my clients just kind of like do what I did back then. 
try to use it as so-called like a gentle toner cleanse method. So you don't always have to like cleanse with a cleanser, especially not in the morning. I mean, your skin is not dirty in the morning, you know. And unless you're using all these like products that have all these ingredients that are like really stuck to the skin, you don't have this, have to have this elaborate, you know, morning cleansing routine because it does weaken the skin barrier to an extent. So this is, again, the pros and cons of cleansing. You can't remove all your skin what needs to come off. But then on the other hand, you are damaging the skin barrier a little bit. And so with this gentle toner cleanse method, as I call it, you're just kind of like go gently dab around your face to just very gently kind of put some extra moisture into the skin. Chamomile is very, very soothing. So many of my clients really love this. And I think just this simple act of not cleansing with a cleanser in the morning has helped so many. I do genuinely think that is like my most like successful tip because I just received so many messages over the years about this. Like, oh my God, my skin transformed when I stopped cleansing in the morning. And so to you guys into skincare and you haven't like, in, you know, heard this thing so many times, like, oh, I have to cleanse in the morning, I have to cleanse twice a day. It might sound like, oh, of course, like I never cleanse my skin in the morning. But <laughs> for a lot of people in this kind of skincare bubble, it can be shocking at first to hear, oh, shouldn't I cleanse with the cleanser in the morning? So basically one tip that I do think can be tolerated by virtually anybody, especially if your skin is quite sensitive and cannot tolerate a lot of things. So what I did back then, I literally was just kind of like cleansing with that chamomile tea morning and evening, maybe moisturizing a little bit here and there, but it was basically this kind of like gentle and chamomile can just feel so soothing, honestly. So I really love that. And a lot of my clients use that. Another thing that is, that is maybe more for people with like oilier skin, green tea actually is really amazing as a topical product. We also have studies, you know, with people with acne, how, how helpful it can actually be for both kind of like oiliness and the actual acne. So this is really, really great. I do have a recipe for that with organic green tea extract that kind of like be added as extra into that in my free course. But essentially, I would say maybe this is something that can be implemented by virtually anybody. It's just like, it's just really nice. And I'm also going to maybe give another natural remedy just because I do love natural skincare. There's a lot of natural skincare out there that is actually not that acne friendly, especially with like all the essential pore clogging oils. There's just really a lot out there that can be quite irritating to the skin. So just simple, smooth, raw honey as a mask can be really amazing. It's just like really nice anti-inflammatory. It has humectant properties. It's just kind of like going to soften and hydrate the skin a little bit. And again, not 100% of people are going to you know, respond well. So always do a patch test first, obviously. But it's just something that I feel works for most people. And they realize like, my skin just like feels nice. I like doing it. And it's just like a quick mask. It sounds very sticky, but honey is actually water soluble. So it's very easy to wash off. It's just kind of like a thin layer, leave for a few minutes, and then rinse off. Some, some of my clients even use this instead of like a cleanser some days. They're like, oh, I didn't actually have anything on my skin. So I'm just going to, you know, do a little honey mask and I'm done. And it's really, really nice. Manuka honey is a bit, so this is kind of like, a, you know, another, another level, which can also work really great and even better. Again, the skin has to be able to tolerate a bit stronger product. So Manuka is a bit, you know, tad more potent. But again, it can be super, very, very helpful. I use on my skin to clean and as a mask. The, what I haven't tried, though, is the the chamomile tea. I'm so curious. I'm going to try that. I'm so excited. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like lovely. <laughs> it sounds so nice. Yeah. You, have to, you, know, you, have to lo- you have to let me know how you like it. Again, I have heard a few cases over the years would be like, oh, you know, I think it's irritating me. And this is, by the way, possible with just about any product or ingredient, especially if the skin barrier is a bit unhappy. 
But generally, people really either love like chamomile or green tea. Actually, for people who use light therapy, because this is something that has been quite popular, there are studies that show that just applying that green tea as a toner 10 minutes or five minutes before your session really does improve your results because it protects against any oxidative damage from that red light. So you're basically reaping more benefits at a lower cost, right? So red light therapy can be really amazing, but it's kind of like sunlight. Like if you overdo it a bit, so then oxidative damage can kind of like rise in the skin. And so green tea kind of protects you from that and you're still getting a red light. We overdo it again, but like I, this is what I gotta do, red light. Yeah, I've been curious about using red light for my skin. I have red light and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but that sounds so interesting. Now I'm curious. So I'm curious about, I saw something that was like, you have to do this step first so that like the moisturizer can actually get into skin. Like, yeah, moisturizers that you love. Do you believe in moisturizing or in serums or like, yeah, tell us about that. Excellent question. So what characterizes a good moisturizer, honestly, is its ability to make the skin feel moisturized also when you don't have it on. Because any moisturizer in the market can feel nice on your skin when you put it on, right? I mean, it's not a marker of a good moisturizer. Good moisturizer, you put it on for several days. And even, you know, when you wake up first in the morning, when you don't have it on, your skin feels better. Your skin feels more moisturized. So this moisturizer has therefore allowed your skin to better maintain itself, to better moisturize itself, which means a healthier, more robust skin barrier, which is ultimately the goal. Right. So ultimately the goal is to make the skin as self-reliant as possible, because this is when you get the best results doing much. Right. And the skin can do all of its processes smoothly, everything. So when it comes to actual moisturizer, sometimes a well-formulated moisturizer that has this kind of and or like the humectant and then occlusive component. So humectant or water base is this hydration and then occlusives basically lock in that moisture because they repel, repel water molecules. So they kind of like keep it locked in the skin. So Basically, a lot of in the natural skincare world, you know, the oils, the butters are occlusives. So they feel kind of like very protective. They basically block moisture from evaporating from your skin. And this can be enough, you know. Sometimes, though, as I said, like we do need kind of like a moisture things going if these just occlusive ingredients are not really, you know, enough. Again, sometimes it can happen if the skin barrier just really kind of dehydrated. But essentially what works for most, I would say, especially if you are somebody who's acne prone, can be just pure squalane oil. So it's not really an oil, it's molecule squalane, which is a saturated form of squalene naturally found in our skin. So it's very, very safe. It's very nice product, very lightweight. I do prefer those that are extracted from sugarcane as opposed to olives, which can be a bit thicker. So maybe more suitable for people who are not very prone to acne. So for example, Biosan's brand has olive extracted. Again, beautiful product, but doesn't always like feel as thin. And yeah, there's several, yeah, I'm not going to maybe like name so many brands, but yeah, you're going to see in the description that it says, you know, sugar crane extracted. So that one can be work, it can work really well. It's quite lightweight. So it might as well for like dry skin. What can work for pretty dry skin is just pure shea butter. It's my favorite. I use it myself. It's actually pretty safe for acne prone skin compared to many other butters like mango butter, you know, cocoa butter. These are pretty comedogenic. But shea butter, I had good experience with. And again, it's not always going to work. But like, it is really nice. And it's just pure natural. That is just so amazing. The way you apply it, I'm going to say this. Because if we're like, what am I going to do with it? Like, it's just clumpy, right? <laughs> so you have to warm it up between the palms of your hands. And just gently, you know, press on the skin. So these, 
this is really nice. And if you're using the DIY toner as kind of like hydration source before those occlusives that are just occlusives, then you are essentially are imitating the action of a moisturizer, right? You have that hydration component and you have the occlusive component, just kind of like one after the other. So this is really the solution that gives you the moisturizing action without any preservatives, any emulsifiers, any stabilizers, right? So this can be really, really nice for somebody, especially who is like very like sensitive to many products and ingredients. So it can be a nice solution. Again, this was also me in the past and not just like since because it just works well. Um, but yeah, so basically that would be like my main thing is to also when it comes to moisturizing, like also don't overdo it. Like do push your skin to its job as much as possible because this is also when you really turn on just everything just works smoother when the skin is actually allowed, when the deeper layers of the skin are actually allowed to feel and to sense what is happening on the surface. So if you're constantly slathering something, the deeper layers are never really recognizing what is the true level of hydration in the upper layers that I'm able to sustain, right? So like the skin will air mechanisms if it feels that there is dehydration in the upper layers, but like if the single is really sent, if you're constantly like putting something on the skin. So again, I'm not saying go without moisturizer, but just like don't use three hydrating serums if your, feel, if your skin feels fine without them. And this is also something people oftentimes do. Like, oh, like Sarah, should I add this? Should I add this? I'm just like, do you actually need this product? No, I just saw this influencer, you know, <laughs> using this product. <laughs> and like, just don't use it. I know it's tempting, but like you don't really need it. You're just, you're just applying. So you don't just apply the be potentially beneficial ingredients. You're also with each product that has a water phase, applying preservatives, stabilizers, like all these extra products that do impact the skin microbiome. Okay. And so one product may not carry so much damage, but like five products layered on top of, on top of each other may do so. So again, we're coming back to the beginning, like simplifying, <laughs> just simplifying. Simplifying sense that it's alive and we're just trying to support its natural rhythm. Is that right? Like, do I have that right? Oh, you said it so beautifully. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. You said it so beautifully because even though these Again, these upper layers are technically dead. They are very much alive in the chemical reactions that, you know, occur there that are very important for healthy skin, for, you know, nice appearance of the skin, for usefulness. So it really, it really is very much alive. It's just trying to do a job and trying to protect you. And just we, we need to kind of learn how to work with that instead of against it. Because it's very easy to form the And then you can save all this money and go buy really nutritious food. Absolutely. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, ab absolutely. That is exactly right. That is yeah. exactly right. Honestly, I what what a lot of my clients tell me really is that I actually have now better skin with like a fraction of money that I used in all these years. Because you really do not need expensive skincare routine to, to have good skin. Like if you do need, then it's just a matter of time until something erupts, you know, like something is just keeping it in check just barely. And then something happens like the minimum amount of stress and your skin erupts and like even like the most expensive products, they're stopped working because again, the damage to the skin barrier is too high. So it is just invest in good food, make sure that, you know, you are living well, you, you're sleeping well, you're doing all these other kind of basic things. Like, again, I know it's boring. It's hard to sell, right? Because <laughs> it's always the same thing. But I feel like it is what's working because human bodies are like, haven't changed in the last, I don't know, like we are the same, like, you know, nothing changed with 
with how like the systems that operate within our bodies. So like, it's always going to be, you know, basically solutions. So, and I know that people are always trying to search for new supplements and search for new skincare. There's always this like next magical unicorn that's going to fix everything. And, you know, it doesn't right. that's what we talk so much about too, is how do we come back to the foundations instead of getting super excited by all of these things that are working for other people, but it's not necessarily the best for you. And the way that filters can make people's skin look incredible and then we don't actually know it's working. And so, yeah, coming back to the foundations on all pieces, skincare, your health, your nutrition, your stress, Mm -hmm. all of that. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, there there is no quick fix. But it is unfortunate with the filters that you mentioned because I will have people send me pictures like, oh my God, my skin is this and that. And I look at the pictures like, your skin is great. Like, honestly, you have great skin. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't realize that her skin is actually beautiful because you are preparing yourself to this like retouched filter on Instagram. I mean, it's it's really, yeah, it's quite damaging, but that's another kind of warm right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, Sarah, this has been so chock full of information. I'm really excited to hear what our listeners think. You mentioned a free ebook, a course. Could you share some ways that our listeners could work with you? Absolutely. So I've created the ebook, which is just $5 available on Amazon. You don't have to have Kindle to read it. I always ask this question. Created this, it's called the Skin Barrier Fix. And it's really just for everybody searching for just like a simple, routine that supports the skin barrier healing that anybody can apply because I've mainly, you know, for years just worked with people who are acne prone. And so my skin rebalancing protocol focuses mostly on acne. Also a little bit of like anti-aging throw in there because some of the same ingredients will work on both, obviously. But skin rebalancing protocol is for those who kind of struggle with, you know, stubborn acne or working directly with me. So the skincare course is just skincare and then working with me is kind of like much more holistic. But I would suggest anybody to just start with my Skin Barrier Fix ebook because honestly, it's just going to give you a great foundation that you just stop falling into all these traps and wasting your money on like products that are just not just not going to help, but actually make things worse for you, which is like, very frustrating. So highly suggest getting the book. I also have, you know, a few free resources, like the free course is like a full a list of like irritating ingredients, some common irritating products, you know, things like that, just to kind of cross-reference with your current skincare that you have. So those are really good places to start. Beautiful. And of course, I'm like healthy skin glows on, you know, healthyskinglows.com, on Instagram, all that. So yeah. We'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was so awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We... Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed Sarah's knowledge and everything she taught us in this episode. We learned so much from her. And don't forget, you can find all of her links and how to connect with her in our show notes. And don't forget to check out Gabby and I's freebie that we created for you. We teamed up. Gabby put together a mini lesson on digestion for you to listen on the go. And I put together a mini somatic audio practice for you to listen to on the go for healthy digestion. So this is definitely something that you're going to want to have out to listen to right before you're eating your meals. I love it so much. So I just, I know you guys are going to love it. And if you're ready for more, be sure to also check out our brand spanking new course, Body Basics. This is where we are integrating both nutrition and nervous system health and healing because both are so important. And 
it really is just coming back to the basics because I know these are such like intense topics at, at times, especially in the holistic health space. So Gabby and I's intention with creating this course is to really help you simplify and remain consistent with the basics to establish a solid foundation. And yes, even if you think you've gone beyond the basics, just like Gabby and I, because we've discovered through our own healing journeys that it really is always about the basics, truly. Mm-hmm. So that's um, available, so that's for, you available for you in the show notes as well. Notes as well. We hope you guys we hope enjoy. You guys enjoy. And we'll see you next and time. We'll see you next time.